0: He's snaps. Scott Steiner's insane. The man is completely out of control.
1: This sucker tried to take me out, but I'm still here. Still
2: here. It's personal, but oh, he's dead. Both our teams to
1: continue to win. The same is for Lex Luger's lost it. The total package has come unwrapped.
0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. My name is Rory McNamara, taking you back in the time machine today to November 2000 for all things World Championship Wrestling. Joining me as last month, they just couldn't get enough, it's Eric Landstrom.
1: Hi Rory, how are you?
0: I'm okay at the moment, Eric, and Daniel Dwitt is here as well. Hello gents. Two other shows for you in November 2000. We have got the WWF show, Looking at Survivor Series, and our ECW show, very much a November to remember as an old old flame returns to the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. Mist. Do check that one out if you haven't already. But we are WCW, and let's waste no time hopping in the time machine, getting back to the end of November 2000, because we've got quite the Mia culpa to share with you. So you probably don't remember the words of caution I dropped in during our discussion last month, but we all should have listened to historian AJP Taylor, who once opined that nothing is inevitable until it happens. And as such, the WWF has ended talks to purchase WCW. This was reported in the Broadcasting and Cable periodical one I am sure all of us and our listeners regularly subscribe to each month. It was Linda McMahon herself who ended up spilling the beans that the Fed had pulled out of negotiations in the first week of November. It could, of course, be a negotiating ploy of their own, in case WCW do not find another buyer. But for now, at least, the deal is off. And on this, I think we need to hear from the big cheese himself on this, don't you? This is what he said in an interview with Wade Keller at the Pro Wrestling Torch this month. I could try his Minnesota accent. Go Vikings. No, best not. Here's the verbatim interview. Wade Keller. Did the negotiations to purchase WCW fall through because of a problem with Viacom or because you couldn't come to terms with Turner on key issues? Vince McMahon. At the last minute, there was a snag with Viacom. Originally, Viacom gave us the green light and indicated to us that the price to us, in essence, would not be severe. So we began negotiations in earnest and good faith with the Turner people and had really good negotiations. And I have a good appreciation for that. Then unfortunately, at the last minute, out of the clear blue, Viacom's price became astronomical. And then from there, because that had to be in there, and then from there, everything broke down because it didn't make any sense for us to pursue that kind of give back, if you will, to Viacom. Yes, everybody, I agree. Lots of speak. in this this interview, here's Wade so in essence the price Viacom was going to insist you kick back to them for spreading yourself thinner went up McMahon, right Keller, if Viacom hadn't changed their stance or their stance hadn't got to that level, do you think the deal could have got done? McMahon, it would have got done. Keller did you think at one point it was going to be done? McMahon, yes we were looking forward to it (laughs) Keller, what do you think is going to happen to them now? McMahon. We don't have anything to do with him again. Now we're like this, as he holds his hands, arms length apart. So then, Eric, all that fantasy booking and predictions we were lining up and the next 10 years of (laughs) Wrestlemania main events we discussed last time, it was all a bit too good to be true, wasn't it?
1: Oh, those plucky affiliates, always getting in the way of a good deal. Um, (laughs) It almost reads like the WWF tried to bluff Vi- whatever, or tried to call Viacom's bluff. Uh, and Viacom de- de- wasn't bluffing and said, No, if you're going to do this and you're going to bring in a whole new thing into our network and there's going to be co network things going on and all this stuff that like none of us really understand that well. We're not a business podcast, but basically, like networks working together, not really a something networks like to do. And so as I understood it, Viacom was going to require quite the hefty sum from the WWF in order to you know, facilitate this deal to grease their palms, if you will. So uh, to me, that's exactly what it sounds like uh, happened is Vince McMahon thought he could outbluff big corporate Viacom and Viacom put their you know, thumb on them and said no deal. Now, the one thing that I think is really critical to take away from this is this doesn't mean the WWF will never purchase WCW. It makes it extremely unlikely at this point. Uh, that seems to be clear. Uh, the The leaders in the clubhouse now seem to be Turner keeping the thing and and after all of this, unbelievably, or Bischoff sliding back in with another uh, affiliate of his own uh, to to help fund the thing. But anyway, uh, but if there's not a suitable buyer uh, or something happens or the, the, the market for pro wrestling, the bottom falls out like it has before in like 1993, um, you know, the WWF could come back in here. But for now, yeah, it just seems like that was a whole lot of nothing uh, and, and Vince McMahon trying to maybe make some news or, or, or bluff his own uh, contract with Viacom. So, yeah, disappointing, uh, but uh, maybe inevitable based on the WWF's history.
0: Do you think he thought he could take on and beat Viacom, even though, or probably because they've only been his partners for just over two months?
1: <laughs> well, and and it it could be because this is the type of thing that he is probably used to doing with NBC, um, mm-hmm. and 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 the the USA Network and all of his traditional affiliates. Either if it was back in the '80s with, uh, in with those programs, or or now with the USA Network uh, airing its primary programs, you know, with SmackDown. Um, on a very small uh, national network, uh, kind of along with it. And that's the Viacom relationship, as I understand it. That's where that was facilitated, and the move to the Nashville network was you know, bred from that. So there's a lot of – yeah, WWF is already dealing with two – uh you know uh, national networks uh between its relationships with usa network and and cbs so this is all very complicated and i'm not surprised that at some point it was just going to be and then you're going to bring in turner as a third like this is just you know untenable unless you're a massive uh sports uh league like the uh, nba or the nfl and as much as vince McMahon would love to be he's not the equivalent of a league he's the equivalent of a team and not even teams have that bargaining power
0: or don't let him know you said that. He's he's, he's the whole division now. He's not just the team. Oh, goodness me. That one's going to sting. It's true, though. We can say that. I doubt he's <laughs> listening. Jerry McDivitt might be. <laughs> Hi, Jerry. <laughs> just think of the material he's gained on us over the last seven years. Um, Dan, I come to you now. As ever, Vince McMahon's choice of language, as much of a mangling of English as I understand it, that it was, Negotiations in earnest and good faith with the Turner people. He had a good, appre- good appreciation for that. The price to us, in essence,
1: would not be severe because that's how real people talk. <laughs> but anyway, um, just he, he talks like he, he talks like he talked to McDivitt before he said that stuff.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's it's very legal speak, isn't it? It's that sort of not, not with saying nothing. everything and nothing at the same time.
0: That's the perfect of the arts here. So it does make me wonder, Dan. So if if ever there was a place for errant and rank speculation it's a pro wrestling podcast so let's do it now what do you reckon just from reading between the lines here and must be said in the sheets this month not a whole lot on this story other than this vince mcmahon interview which you know, no no smoke I mean, without fire and all that but what are your thoughts on at least what vince was saying here and that it appears to be Viacom's fault in vince mcmahon's brain
2: ugh, that the negotiations fell through yeah, that, that that's that's how that's how that read read to me as well. That it's it's all Viacom's fault. It, he was ready for it to go ahead, and it, so it's it's sounds like he's lashing out. Like as you as you sort of guys mentioned, he's tried to sort of strong arm or do Dewey once to, against Viacom. It didn't work, so now he's just blaming them, basically. I mean, he, he, he worked well in the 80s when he could sort of strong arm the pay per view companies to say, "Oh, I'm running the show. If you don't let me run this." And block WCW, then I won't let you have any more pay views That worked. So he's trying similar things here. And this time he came across uh, an opponent a bit too big for his. He's probably underestimated them because I mean, he hadn't been in a relationship with them that long, as you mentioned, only been a couple of months. So he probably doesn't really know enough about sort of what he can, can and can't do with them, I guess. And then this is this is the first sort of test, and he's, hasn't come up, he's come up short, I guess. So yeah, interesting to see how that sort of plays out. If if he then goes back to Viacom and then starts negotiating a deal with them on something that then allows this sort of um, fee or whatever to be reduced or something, then then we might see WWE come back to the table again. But for me, as I was reading through it, my sort of quick sort of summarising of the situation would be Bischoff or bust. Really, it seems either either it's either going to be Bischoff who buys it or some sort of Bischoff led or sort of group in that respect or it's going to go bust i know you you mentioned that it could be that um, turner keeps it themselves but with the money they're losing and stuff with it i can't see that being viable for much longer it's just going to be a case they'll wind it down if they don't sell it
0: yeah i think so too we will get to the other possible opportunities such that they are in a couple of minutes here but just on the wwf supposed bid at the start of the month the figures being bandied about that the deal was around 60 percent done unfortunately i don't have any more specifics on that did that involve the roster did that involve tv time did that involve outright signing the contracts we don't really know as i say information is suspiciously sparse and thin on the ground about this pretty much everything you've heard in the last 10 minutes of broadcasting we've given you so far is all we know about this Uh, i should say the interview that vince conducted with the pw torch was primarily about our friend of the xfl And if you dare listen to our WWF show this month for more on that, it's all going to end in tears. But this everything you've heard and I quoted directly from the torch there is as it was reported, nothing that Vince had planned to do with the company other than Biocom supposedly changing their numbers, being the reason why Vince pulled out of negotiations, can't even really find out from the horse's mouth why he would want to buy it we can all draw our own conclusions and they're probably not too far off the truth but i would like to hear from him even if it's just for fascination purposes what he thinks he could do with the company thought it was very interesting here though reading between the lines when wade asked him did you think at one point it was going to be done and vince's very brief for him response yes we were looking forward to it i'll bet you were Eric, do we think there's going to be a counter? It all depends on really what's going to happen with possible some of the other buyers that we'll talk about a bit later. But do you think this is over with the is WWF? Vince still, is Vince still? Yeah, is Vince still interested in buying WCW? Let's. I think that's the question.
1: Uh, I mean, it's the last. It's the last territory, right? So mm-hmm. I don't think. I don't think that Vince is. I think there's a. I think Jim Crockett owns some real estate in Vince McMahon's (laughs) head, and Vince really wants to buy that back, right? So on some level, it doesn't matter that he's basically won this, you know, Monday Night War, uh, company war, it would appear, you know, there's been a pretty clear year and a half to two years where it's been a significant margin. So I think now the last step for him is to take it. And so, yeah, I think that if another opportunity, but he's a businessman first, I think. And now the company's so big and he has, you know, it's not just his money anymore. So, you know, he's got other considerations now where in the past this may have been a risk that he would have taken um, even further. Now, I think he has to be a little bit more conservative, but it's still Vince McMahon. And if the business opportunity presents itself, I think he will take it. But I I don't know that, you know, he's the, you know, he's not the leader in the clubhouse at this point for where WCW is going to go.
0: What do you think, Dan? Will they be back? Can uh, they be back?
1: Yeah. Um,
2: yes, I, I, I think so. I, I think um, Eric made a good point. I think the way to sort of see it is that um, WCW has been a, a, like a pest or like, like like a weed in your garden. So if, until you get rid of it all, it never quite goes away. So yes, even though ratings-wise and any other sort of metric, WC, WWF are clearly destroying WCW. The fact that WCW still exists means they haven't one yet in terms of what probably vince thinks they're still the fact they still exist means they're not gone so the way to the way that they go is he owns them so yeah i think i don't know when or or how but i'm sure there'll be some way he finds a way to do this but yeah he's got he's got stakeholders and stuff to answer to now it's not just him going out sort of willy-nilly and going out to to do what he can to get it he is going to have to take thinking and planning behind it I think this time that round so it might not be for a year or god knows how long but I think somewhere down the line we'll, we'll see this sort of story crop up again maybe with a bit more detail a bit more more than this 60% sort of closeness to it but yeah I, I can see him coming back especially if other companies come in and um, try to steal a deal for WCW and it doesn't work to a point where the the cost of WCW might be cheaper than then it's more viable to him to go to Viacom and others and say, look, now it's only going to cost this much. Can we do a deal type thing? I can see it happening eventually down the line. that They'll at least put in another bid or put in another offer or some, something down the line because Vince wants, I think Vince wants it to go away.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't rule out Black Monday just yet. And <laughs> I liked your weed, pulling out the weed analogy there, Dan. He's been spraying WCW with weed killer four or five years now. But as we all all know, weed killer never really works. You just got to get in there, take the gloves off, put your foot on down the patio and just yank the thing out by the roots. Exactly. (laughs) He's got the mitts to do it. Let's say that. (laughs) But having said that, we can only go on who now is currently in the running. And as mentioned earlier, some sources state that Brad Siegel himself and maybe even Turner themselves, most importantly, are getting cold feet about selling up at all and could be looking to battle on albeit with somebody else actually overseeing the company. A source, yes, him again, says that Brad is looking for someone with Eric Bischoff's balls, but must be more trustworthy. The fear from Brad Siegel is that if Bischoff himself was given such a role, that he would, as Jim Callahan voiced fear about Tony Ben in April 1976, would march in with the shop stewards. For Siegel's plans to cling on if they were to work, though, he would need to cut no fewer than 16 million dollars off the company budget, which, given the wage bill alone, is much easier said than done. We've been here before. As such, it is still believed that an outright sale will need to take place if the company is to survive in any meaningful form or fashion. Some of the names being bandied about as buyers include Jerry Jarrett, which gave me cold blood in the summer of 1994. And there's another one. (laughs) And also, get this, George Steinbrenner, my eye. Now, there's a WrestleMania 7 reference for you. But the smart money, if that's not a double contradiction in terms, is for Bischoff himself to make a full bid for ownership of the entire company. This time, however, without the much-mooted Mandalay sports connection. Although, let's face it, Jason Hervey will be slinking around somewhere, because he always does. Earlier in the month, get this, Bischoff was linked with setting up his own promotion from scratch with the help of Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, and Ultimate Warrior. God, imagine those appraisal meetings. But now it is stated that Eric will make an offer for WCW alone, all of its assets included, with the help of movie and entertainment production company, Columbia Tristar. Dan, Bischoff is persistent.
2: I'll give him that. Yes, I think that's something we've learned about Bischoff over the past several years. He's determined to to carry on no matter how many times he seems beaten or, or, out, or out of it he will try to find a way and yeah if uh, the mandalay uh, group didn't work then he's going to find this other group and potentially there yeah, with columbia tristar if that doesn't work i can imagine him moving on again and again until he eventually finds the answers he wants really it's like going to several doctors until you get the right diagnosis i guess but yeah he i, I can he's someone that um he's clearly had a has a stake in WWE for, for such a long time I can see why he wants it in that respect but yeah how how it's going to happen with all these different sort of companies coming going to and from and stuff eventually coming up with a good offer who, who knows really but um yeah then from, from what I read Siegel's sort of reluctant to to sell it to, to Bishop. he's the one person he doesn't want to buy it which is interesting but then it's obviously probably going to be out of his hands if Turner is happy to take the money
0: Yeah, I really don't know if they can afford, uh, Brad Siegel in particular can afford for, because of beggars to be choosers in this case. If Eric Bischoff weighs in and that's enough to keep the company afloat and existing in some form or fashion related to WCW as we know it, then I don't think he can afford to be quite so stubborn. It's getting to brass tacks time now for WCW. I do wonder if the supposed suggestion from Brad and from Turner that they might not sell at all and are just looking for a figurehead to run the company's day-to-day affairs creative etc i wonder if that's almost their own negotiating position i'm not sure they can afford there's that word again to be quite so brazen eric your thoughts on bishop still being in the picture and as i'm sure you want to talk about this some of the other names i dropped there
1: it's unbelievable to me that he just we, <laughs> We talk about uh, the weed analogy and like this is perfect. Like he just keeps popping up, and every time they brought him back since he first left. Was that in late? When did he le- Was that in late '98 when he when he left the first uh, time? Even. Yes. Yes, I think. Is it he was he still
0: knocking around in '98, Bischoff?
1: Well,
2: I'm just no, thinking. No, so I think I think, I think by october 98 september 8th september october 98 he'd got that was his first sort of disappearance yeah
1: okay yeah and ever since then whenever that was and every time they brought him back it just they just keep getting less and less on the return and so now that this guy who hasn't been able to really flourish in a in a management position with it already funded is now trying to both manage and fund this project i don't know i i think bischoff is just a a a very small fish and swimming with sharks. Um, and I, I don't have any at this point, like, I don't know. He must be a hell of a pitch man. And, and we know he is. Uh, but after that, I, I don't see this really working unless there's somebody else to come in there and, and work with him on the wrestling management side of things. Uh, he's a great face of a company, but gosh, anytime he's been given any sort of lengthy opportunity to, to, manage something to viability it falls apart completely so i'm very concerned about that um but yeah it it certainly seems like wcw is still doing things in order to make itself viable where we mentioned cutting salary and there's a lot of other things and and, uh yeah so there's a lot of there's a big game of chess being played here i think right now wcw is it for sale isn't it well we're going to make ourselves viable but we're not necessarily going to sell wwf's out well here's bischoff again with another you know potential backer but like i don't know this seems less certain than ever six weeks ago we knew that the wwf was going to buy the wcw and now (laughs) it's like now nothing nothing is for certain as somebody once said on
0: this company's television four and a bit years ago the only thing for sure is that nothing's for sure and I quite like that WCW are living that out every day of their lives, even here we at the end of 2000. It's still it's as true as it ever was, is it not?
1: Ah, oh, just imagine being an employee of this company and not, not even a wrestler, oh, like... Working in the office, like you're the you're the, <laughs> you're the head secretary, you know, for, for legal counsel or something. And like you just you've worked here for 30 years and you don't really have, you know, skills to transfer into another company. And like this is it. Like you're and it hinges on all the stuff you have no control over. God, it must be fucking miserable. <laughs> top, top down, top down. It's got to be horrible to come to work every day. I, I can barely
0: imagine what their office space looks like. I don't even think that I want to. Could you imagine the water cooler conversations there? Oh God! Even if they're permitted, that is. Uh, George Steinbrenner. I mean, really, <laughs> this is where we are now? He could probably at least stump up the cash you now if he can make a very swift tra- transfer changeover. If George Steinbrenner stumped it up, I'll, I'll give him that. But um,
1: Rory, I'm really? just very, I'm just very concerned that like there's nobody affiliated with this other than McMahon, who's now apparently out who seems to have any, like, foothold in, like, the wrestling business. Yeah, and that's every similar, time isn't it? And other than Bischoff, which is a tenuous, I would say, a tenuous link at best that he would go on and want to minimize himself. So, and we've, in, in, throughout the course of history, you know, nobody has succeeded in the wrestling business unless you've been in the wrestling business. And, like, so unless Bischoff, you know, gives Jerry Jarrett a godfather offer to come in and help him at least get things going, for example, um, there's other guys out there like that. ECW's floating out there. Maybe there could be some sort of merger or agreement. But Christ, Paul Heyman and Bischoff working together. I mean, we're, 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 I'm just, hmm. I, I mean, I'm, I'm just basically speculating at this point. But like, it's just, it seems insane to me that like Bischoff is gonna be able to pull this off.
0: Dan, does the company have to be sold? I mean, we haven't seen the books, and they'd make pretty good reading if we did. But I think this is just posturing from the company personally, saying, oh, maybe we can struggle on regardless no well, hand over list every every month in the news for probably at least a year and a half on these programs we've been talking about the money they've been losing and no that 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 money well it very much it has gone away <laughs> to twist the metaphor so there has to be a buyer doesn't there
2: well yeah that, that's the key the key word you said there was struggle that's they're clearly doing it i mean uh, if you listen to the uh ECW shows you hear about like the the sort of Financial issues they're having uh, there with the sort of lack of TV and all the other things there. This is just that on a on a sort of oversized sort of scale because they have still got TV and stuff, but the numbers are just much much higher. And yeah, talking about Brad siegel trying to cut the company bud- budget budget and, and stuff. Yeah, good luck with that. Go to, go tell people who've worked 300 days a year that they're going to get 10 20 less for doing the same thing. Not, I can't see that being uh, met with much sort of joy. And I. I i guess sort of they're thinking that oh we can offer, we can afford to offer you less because you've got nowhere else to go if and if enough people leave or want to go they, they could probably do something and set up some kind of i don't know independent type of show where they still earn something just on their own almost in a way because i, so I don't think those people can afford to sort of be cutting staff's costs and much so how are they going to be running themselves and not be running themselves into the ground within a year or so. I can't see it. it, it it's going it's to have to go. Someone's going to have to buy it, and it's going to. It's probably going to be someone non-wrestling related who then puts someone as a figurehead to run it. Poss- that's how possibly Bischoff gets gets back in. B- Bischoff is is the de facto um, CEO or whatever the who actually runs the business, but it's funded elsewhere. Basically, kind of like how Turner had it. It was t- Turner's money, but Bischoff was the man in charge. It's going to have to be that sort of model again. But then are we just going down the same route of um, Bischoff then spending someone else's money to the nth degree? And then five years time or less, we're looking at a very similar scenario. If
0: their financial situation is as bad as I believe it is, and no doubt Eric Bischoff, who saw the books not that long ago, believes it to be or even worse, then he could probably even get away with a fair low ball offer which leads me to think that if Viacom hadn't just tapped Vince McMahon on the shoulder we could be looking at a done deal there now I don't think any company is necessarily going to have to break the bank to pick this one up.
1: Rory I think I think that might be a little bit of an overstatement as far as the losses just based on those are typically you know uh, reflective of a a year nine months ago more so than the the present day I, I think And so these huge losses that we've seen reported lately, I think, are more reflective of uh, losses from a little while ago. And so when you watch the show now, and I'd be curious as to what their reportings are going to be for, let's say, since they've dumped Russo and they've really started. I mean, you can see it in their television they've. They're using a lot of young guys. They've released, I mean, we see it every month in the Sheets, swaths of undercard guys just getting outright released. or told they're not going to be renewed. Um, just names and names and names. So when you watch the shows, you immediately realize that this is not a deep roster anymore whatsoever. Um, the people that they're featuring are, are likely to be the f- ones that are re-signed, the ones that aren't going to be renewed. So I wonder if they're able to keep this going for, say, another year If they will be able to kind of balance the books based on what we've already seen happen in kind of this post-Russo purge of not just all of his creative ideas, but as well as the kind of the expenses related to them. So I don't know. I I wouldn't go so far as to say they're hemorrhaging money at this point, but they just need to keep this up for long enough to make it seem viable. And and I don't know. There might be there may just be too many holes in the ship already.
0: This is it. Are they going to need to continue to slash the roster?
1: Well, they're certainly using their, you know, we've, I think we've done a pretty good job documenting kind of the back and forth between the guys who were kind of sitting out, you know, early this year through mid this year, your, your DDPs, for example, Hogan was in and out and now he's finally gone and it looks like Savage is out. And certainly they got out of warrior, uh, you know, earlier than that, but that was another example, those three guys who are now banding about with Bischoff Uh, but We've seen other guys come back. A lot of them, like Nash is back and DDP, uh, just a whole bunch of people brought back. Some very notable ones not being brought back, which we'll discuss in more detail. But it does seem like they're either using the guys that they're committed to using, the guys they necessarily can't get out of, or it would be too expensive to buy them out right now. And the other, the rest of them, they're saying, okay, you're sitting out the last three months of your contract, but you're not being renewed, and you're going to be released. So I think they've they've drawn those lines with the guys. Uh, Pretty much all of them saying we're going to bring you back and use you or we're not. And this is your release date and we're going to pay it us at home.
0: On the topic of releases, and we'll get to a couple of fairly big ones shortly, but the only release from a financial perspective I've been able to see it actually happen this month. I mean, there's so many people on the roster. Would we notice if a lot of them drop? But one of them did was Tory Wilson, who was on two hundred and fifty thousand a year. And I'm a Tory Wilson fan. I might not be a fan of the person she's paired with. Oh, there we go. I lasted 29 minutes. But that's pretty good for me. But Tori Wilson, 250K. It's (laughs) nothing against her whatsoever. But you just look at, again, you just look at the raw numbers because that's all we can really do. We can't really delve in. It's not our job to. This isn't an episode of working lunch or anything. We can just look at the numbers and draw our own conclusions based (laughs) on they are. I see figures like that and I'm amazed it's been able to continue for so long. I do wonder if you look back again 12 18 months, very different landscape, no doubt about it. But when the inmates truly were running the asylum, okay, they might not have had their hands on the tiller from a financial perspective, but in terms of outright running of the company, and even if you're just talking creatively, I do think this thing trickles down
1: or up. And And this is all on Bischoff for the
0: rest. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Bischoff had the ability. Well, no, he didn't have the ability. He had the power to put a stop to this, but he was just smitten with certain people and go back and listen to any of our shows over the last two years for a bit more information on who they are and what they did. And now it's coming back to roost. And it's almost a little bit rich, pun intended, that Bishop is so hellbent on trying to rebuy the company when so much of this, not all, but a significant percentage of what is happening is very much down to him. When ever there's well, I get the feeling things are going to change a lot more over the next four or five weeks so our December show again will probably be completely different for half an hour of discussion we've had on this one but everybody please stay tuned this one is as I said last month and we'll say next month and maybe for the next two years is going to run and run and run
1: hey. wait a minute I can't believe it! I can't believe what I'm seeing! you people what's with him You know who I am,
2: but you don't know why I'm here.
0: So we do know who he is and we do know why he is not here. This news broke last month, but as our October show was so stacked, (laughs) as much as it might not have been now, but never mind. We had to bump it. But yes, Scott Hall finally, finally was served with termination papers from WCW after a litany of transgressions and poor behaviour. Nobody has lived a life more charmed than he over the past four years. Perhaps inevitably, the news of his contract termination was swiftly followed with that of another arrest, this time on October the 26th in Sanford, Florida, while attending a child custody hearing that he requested. Police charged Hall with violating his probation related to the 1998 incident where he keyed a $65,000 limo. Police say Hall did not fulfill the community service portion of his probation by the deadline. Yet another Scott Hall in trouble story. But no longer WCW's problem, it would seem. Dan, I'll come to you first on this one. Scott Hall, very much a favorite of certain members of wrestling 20 years ago alum now if this news has trickled back to monterey already somebody's going to be not very happy there but we talk about inevitabilities in pro wrestling a lot and this one was always going to happen it was just a matter of when or at least it should have been but for many many months i've been asking myself if it was if but eventually it was when as it really really had to be
2: Yes, exactly. That um, uh, Scott Hall's been off off TV for, for God knows how long now. So it was only a matter of time he was going to go. I don't think there's going to be any way they're going to let him sit at home and sit out his contract with all these transgressions that you've mentioned and they've been covered over the past sort of few months. It's only a matter of time, really. And I'm surprised, honestly, surprised it didn't happen sooner. I surprised it didn't even happen in 1998 when he was when he's. Um, Troubles were actually sort of publicised and made part of an angle on, t- on TV. I guess that's probably why they didn't release him at the time because there was still some some money in him or they could see some some drawing power in them I guess, but those issues should he, issues he's had regarding sort of alcohol and any, any other things like that should have been sort of addressed and sort of dealt with and and stuff two years ago now. And um, it's just a shame that it's, it's sort of come, come to this. And hopefully, um, we can sort of see a point when he's sort of back on his feet and and employed again somewhere possibly not wcw and as he left w on bad terms possibly not there but so that doesn't really leave many places i guess but you'd like to think there's still a place in the wrestling business for scott hall someone of his his talent certainly but um yeah it's a, a shame but not a surprise unfortunately
0: Eric, without using the words Nash or Kevin, can you tell me why Scott Hall was kept on for so long? <laughs> You're allowed to say no and dementia your answer accordingly.
1: Oh, no, I can because the guy is a charisma machine. He's an excellent worker. He looks like a million dollars, and he's super over. He's still over. He was, he was getting... There were Hall chants at the pay-per-view that the announcers had to basically bury, uh, but they were clear as day. So... Like, this guy is the prototypical professional wrestler. He just has uh, a lot of problems that uh, he needs to deal with. And so I think WCW, like, this, you know, Hall is not the, you know, your everyday wrestler who comes off the assembly line. Like, he is, you know, he's an incredible package to have on your roster when he's right. And so I think they held on hope that he could figure it out But at a certain point, no matter how talented an athlete is, they become too big of a liability. And, you know, Hall crossed that threshold a while ago, probably. But, yeah, I think then you factor in the impact they had and the fact that Kevin Nash is an influential member of the roster still, who seems to have garnered a lot of influence backstage and with upper management at WCW while all this is happening. Yeah, I'm not surprised at all it took this long. And the minute that there's an indication that he's, you know, cleared himself up – He'll be brought back, no question. By WCW, I have no doubt about it. Oh,
0: you think they'll bring him back?
1: Uh, I, you know, in, unless Vince gets him first, like that's what I'm saying. Like this is Hall is a guy who will be part of a major wrestling company the minute that he can keep his personal life in check. Uh, no question about it. It now, if he can't do that, then no. But the minute this guy clears it up, he's he's gonna be brought back. And he'll probably be in high demand. I mean, Rory, they brought Sid back. Again, Hall's not that, you know, it's a different type of nuisance. But still, guys who are unlike, you know, your run-of-the-mill dudes get brought back constantly. I have no doubt about it.
0: Very interesting. I just wonder if they had as much as they could stand, no matter who's in charge of WCW. Just imagine getting that on the docket we, we talked about what the office is like and the emails zooming around on monday morning oh scott hall got in trouble again over the weekend oh uh, you know it's just litany is the right word but as a performer scott hall is a big loss even now as terrible as the match was because i rewatched re-watched super brawl for my sins super brawl 2000 recently his performance in as much as he was allowed to do one in that match was actually pretty good I thought in the eight minutes the match took place when he was called upon in the ring, he did everything he needed to, and a little bit more.
1: And you the crowd still... wanted him to win that match so he, badly, They too. really, oh my really God. did. So bad.
0: He has still got the look. A perfect moveset for a main eventer. We all know what he can do and does do on the microphone. I mean, he's, what, 41, I want to say? 41, 42? No, at that age, at main event level, when you look at both companies really not excluding WWF from this. There's still a good couple of years in there. If everything else could be taken out of the equation, but that's the biggest, if of all, can that happen? Does he want it to happen? I I go back and forth on this, how much Scott Hall actually loves the pro wrestling business. I mean, I don't think he's sting level in that respect, but I don't think he's triple H level either. He's somewhere between the two and admittedly, admittedly rather large gap. Somebody who's it going to be just needs to put their arm around him. He's that sort of person. And he does need to get his house in order first. But when you see, you know, he's got you know, form as long as your arm, as we say in this country. It you don't, I don't know where to begin with Scott Hall. And perhaps more importantly, I don't think Scott Hall know, knows where to begin with himself. He could still do a job, no pun intended, at the very top level. Now, I do think that Scott Hall, never having been a world champion, when you look at him, when you listen to him, when you know what he's capable of, that will go down as one of the great what ifs, in my opinion, that Scott Hall was never a world champion in either main company. And it's it is a great frustration. Whether it's a great frustration to him is another matter. But for us as fans, I do feel that a huge opportunity was passed up. And there were times you could have done it as well. We, we talked about those many times over the last seven years on these programs, ever since we first started and his match with Dibiase, starting his face run at SummerSlam 93 and all that we've come through since. It is a shame. It's a huge shame. And I'd, we do need, we talked about it with Brett last month. Sometimes we just need to drop the wrestling talk though. And it's just about a human being with so many issues that this is not the place to really discuss them. I just hope that in a couple of months' time, we get the news that Scott Hall really has sorted himself out. The worst is behind him, and he's ready for 2001. And if that is the case, I will. I would gladly welcome him back into WCW. I don't see Vince taking a shot on him yet. Not yet. Now that that lawsuit has been settled, it probably does increase the chances a few percent. But does Vince McMahon want that liability, literally and metaphorically, on his books again? I don't know. I'd probably like okay, to
1: hold, see it. Yes, go on, go ahead. Yeah, hold on though. Like, I, 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 your logic is completely sound, but this, I mean, this is the same guy that brought back Warrior three times. Good
0: point, well, Mate.
1: Well, but also like Hull, so you make a really good point, and you know we forget that Hull's, you know, on the downside of his career by by age, and so he's forty-one, forty-two. You're right. But so you figure you give him until 47 at that size uh, based on his history that, you know, things probably really start to break down. So he's got, you know, a year to get healthy, then, you know, maybe three good years after that. I could see him easily having an upper main, you know, an upper mid uh, main event, semi main event run with Triple H with angle with rock and with austin just to kind of like give those guys a credible opponent to churn them while they're a little bit outside of the world title picture you know bring in a heel haul and then maybe turn him face and, and you know you get a good two three year run out of them I, I don't know i think i think if he could you know prove that he had his head on straight i think Vince McMahon would take that opportunity i really really do plus he'd be getting his toy back don't forget about that
0: and it's yet another win. Y- yet another notch on the bedstead as if he needs another one. Again, watch this space. I'm hoping that as early as next month, we will have some very good news. Reece Scott Hall to impart. I have my doubts. I really do have my doubts. But he is hoping. For his sake, he is hoping.
1: Keenan, won't you leave me alone? You follow me everywhere. What are you doing here? I work here. What are you doing here? Well, who says you work here? Who says I work here? Try Ted and Jane, the Turners. I'm on board now, pal. And these people are gonna have to learn some respect, because pal, I could become your boss like that. You know, Heathen,
2: I gotta tell you something. As long as you are in WCW, you're like Tonya Harding. You're gonna be on thin ice here.
1: How would you like me to take a crowbar to your kneecaps and reverse them? Oh. I got work to do. You shut up, little man.
0: Somebody who we will definitely not be talking about in WCW next year is Bobby Heenan. Can you believe that clip I just played you is from January 1994? I mean, if the landscape is different from a year ago, it's a whole different universe from January 1994. God, my days. Though, yes, he has been notified that his contract will not be renewed when it expires at the end of the year. Of course, he went to WCW in the first place, mainly due to the lighter schedule and the much easier travel. But that alone will not be enough to keep him on the books after December. Uh, Heenan, of course, has been taken off Nitro and recently Thunder and thus was relegated to working worldwide only. And yes, I had to look that up. I'm not even sure Bob Colling would have been able to tell me who was commentating on worldwide these days. But there you go. So it looks like Bobby Heenan's run is over. And for perhaps obvious reasons, he's not somebody we've really talked about a lot other than the odd quip for really a good two years now. So this is a good opportunity to do so, I think, Eric. So if you would sum up Bobby Heenan's WCW run and whether you think there's any potential commentary gas in the tank for him elsewhere.
1: Uh, Hard to say. Uh, I think WCW, I think he started motivated. And you wonder if he felt like he had to prove that, you know, he had it uh, to another audience but he did and he came in around the same time as Hogan and all that like influx of WWF guys was coming into WCW and he and he was good for a while and he worked well with Shivani and I enjoyed Heenan and I would say Heenan was probably good all the way through the NWO and um, when that was started I mean he had, his calls have been kind of minimized since then but like he carried his feud with Hogan all the way through all of that, and he got the last laugh when he said, I told you all about Hulk Hogan, I've been telling you for years. Um, and but right around then, right around mid 96 into 97 is when it really started to turn, uh, for Heenan. And so, I think he, you know, WCW got two and a half years out of Heenan, and they kept him for six. So, I don't know how anybody could be surprised by this. Uh, Heenan hasn't seemed motivated for a while. Uh, he has had his odd he has had his odd quip here and there. You're right, but by and large, you can tell that this is somebody who maybe either needs to take a lighter role in the wrestling business overall, or, or maybe he does go back to the WWF and you know hangs out for a while. I mean, they have enough shows, they have enough guys. Maybe he could uh, you know help be a mouth person for somebody, or help cut promos, or I don't know. Maybe just work backstage. Um, I don't think we've seen the last of Heenan, but we've definitely seen Heenan in his last role as a, a prominent one or two level announcer i think yeah and I, I don't know i don't think anybody can be surprised by this um he's been phoning it in for a while which is sad to say because between his fed run and you know his first couple of years in wcw he was the best in the business
0: your thoughts on the brain down
2: no i i of absolutely of echo what um eric said there i think um I, I would extend his 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 good run though uh, beyond '97. I think um, oddly, we we used to to Heenan sort of heelish quips and generally sort of being the heel, apart from with the NWO angle. But then he sort of seemed to find a new sort of bigger when uh, the, with the emergence of Goldberg. He almost sort of seemed like he was his main sort of cheerleader in, in a way. Like he was like the one because he was against the NWO and against Hogan. Uh, Heenan's sort of appraisal and sort of putting over of Goldberg. Um, stands out for me obviously last sort of run but then yeah probably towards once or kind of once the streak ended in a, in a weird way and then and um, once we had like the nwo elite and all that stuff the in of 99 that's sort of when bobby ian stopped carrying a lot, along with many other fans it seems i think he sort of almost echoed some of our thoughts at the times in that respect but um yeah um i think yeah he, he's running wso was, was really good um he didn't it in as much as people think, I don't think. I think, yeah, he had these good time sort of um, still being that sort of heel to needling sort of uh, Schiaponi, winding him up and and stuff. And, yeah, um, I, it's a shame to see him go. But, yeah, as you say, the last sort of year or so hasn't really been a factor. So I guess it's only a matter of time. In terms of what he does next, could he go back to WF? Yes. Really be in a prominent role? Probably not. I mean, if you think about the. The WDF he left in ninety, what well, the end of ninety three. is very different to what it is now. Oh yes. Uh, the, the pace and the stuff. And he, as you mentioned, uh, he he left uh, for a lighter schedule and less travel. But you can argue that W is probably travelling more and is busier more now more than ever. So I don't think that that would sort of fit in for him there. What do I see him doing? Maybe he could be um sort of. As, as a mentor or a, a, a coach for for like announcers and stuff for interviewers and stuff like um maybe sort of give some tips to someone like michael colton so i know that i think that jim ross is probably doing something similar like this at the minute but there's probably other young sort of announcers wanting to get into the business he could possibly be that sort of go-to sort of coach in terms of how to be a heel announcer how to sort of be a broadcaster and stuff like that and yeah, I think that'd be a good sort of role from if W wanted him in that aspect.
1: Or like but, God forbid they ever like rotate their announcers so we don't get the same people on every show all the time. See now that would
2: that would be interesting as well. Yeah, if they, if the, <laughs> if there was if he could do like guest spots, especially like at Mania. Oh that would be nice to see. Come, come WrestleMania. Have have Heen and Court be in for a few matches. Like just like, do an, like, an hour or so, two or three matches, especially if there's if they're bringing back other stars or if there's some sort of Either a sort of celebrity involvement or something, something mm-hmm. a bit, bit of a different type of match at Mania. Then yeah, bring bring Heenan in for for those type of matches or or to call a Royal Rumble or something, just something a bit different.
0: Oh yeah, but yeah, at,
2: um, but yeah, week to week, I can't I can't see it no, because it it wouldn't sort of fit in with his sort of wanting a light schedule and and less travel and stuff.
0: I can see him having some sort of ceremonial role, being a talking head on. With of the VHS documentary, something like yes, that. I mean, yeah. week, weeks a week, I wouldn't see. But any form of involvement with the brain in WWF now, I personally would be very happy to see and to hear. So he left in very good terms. And if you go back and watch, certainly the Nitros from the beginning up until the Bischoff heel terms. So you've got Bishop on commentary for a good year. It's very telling whenever... Bischoff brings up the competition. Now, when he reads out the results of Raw or blames them for the power going out or calls them the world whining federation or anything like that, he piles in Mongo, as it was for the first eight months or so. Very happy to join in. Please, the boss. Bobby Heenan is silent throughout. He does not say a word about it. He did not want to get involved with that. And I think that is to his credit because he could have done. And I have very a That he was probably asked to, if I'm honest, but he stood firm. You know, left in very, very good terms, and he's still. You still? Yes, he was in in other places before. Of course, he was, as I'm sure some wrestling historians will no doubt try and tell me. I know, I know. But you think Bobby Heenan? You think WWF? And I think it would be fitting if the circle could go full and we could get back there in some way, form or fashion. As far as his commentary goes, I. advise our listeners to try and get hold of any copy anything throughout the entire year 1994 where he's on saturday night with Shabani. they are gold together a perfect mix of analysis and no little comedy as well fantastic stuff definitely dig any of those out any of them from january all the way to december even including the hogan and the hogan buddy era kicking him Heenan is a bit of a scream there as I knock my fork on the floor in excitement. But um, yeah, I agree with you, Dan. When Heenan would just chip in here and there, even going all the way up to probably the end of 99, he was still at the very least worth listening to. There's no doubt at all that he was checked out by that point, And he was turning up for more and more shows in the vaunted, no condition to perform. And it's audible. I want to say Uncensored 99 was one of them. I could probably just no, again dartboard dartboard at the wall and I could pick a pay-per-view where Heathen turned up. Refreshed, let's say that. But even then, he was still he would still pop in. The old magic was still there. And I don't think it's ever left him. Mm. He's still a fine talker. He's still a student and teacher of the game. I think that's a very important combination. He could still use that phrase again do a job for somebody in any role even training being an outright coach as he was in the summer of 1996 on screen that would be fine as well now, the wrestling business almost unrecognizable from December 1993 let alone the mid 80s but somebody like Bobby Heenan still has a role and I do hope he has one going forward and Vince would be contrite enough to give him a call he himself certainly doesn't bear any grudges with the federation despite having left them seven years ago you talk about being, wanting to make other than making friends here I think the latter might just override the former and again let's hope a lot of hope in this month but let's hope it does one thing that very much did happen this month was the latest WCW pay-per-view and we have the early buy rate for it as we record this the lowest buy rate in company history the initial numbers have it at a 0.12 do not adjust your set a 0.12 so it is highly possible indeed that the overview and review we are going to give for you will be your first (laughs) introduction to mayhem 2000 but nevertheless dan if you could run us through the results first please
2: yeah sure so uh, the opening contest, uh, in a Cruiserweight Championship match, Mike Sanders defeated Kwiwi. In a Triple Threat Tag Team match, three count, Helms and Moore defeated Evan Courageous and Jamie, Jamie Noble and the Young Dragons, Hayashi and Yang. And then uh, Mankow defeated Jimmy Hart. Then in the Hardcore uh, Championship match, Crowbar defeated Big Vito and Reno. Then in a Handicap match, we've got Kidman and Mysterio defeating Chronic uh, and Alex Wright. Next up. Following that, Bam Bam Bigelow defeated Sergeant AWOL. Then for the United States uh, title, uh, General Rection defeated Lance Storm. Following that, Jeff Jarrett defeated Buff Bagwell. Then for the tag titles, the insiders of DDP and Kevin Nash defeated the perfect event, Palumbo and Stasiak. Goldberg defeated Lex Luger. And then in our main event, in a straight jacket steel cage match for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship, Scott Steiner defeated Booker T.
0: Eric, as is now custom for our WCW programming, we will look at the final matches, the final two matches in this case, in a little bit more detail shortly. But for now, give us say, a bit of an overview of the first two hours, 15 minutes of the pay-per-view. <laughs> things you want to pull out, things you really don't want to pull out, but are going to. What were your thoughts?
1: Sure. A couple more statistics here just to maybe... Put another, uh, you know, image in the in the picture box here. U.S. Cellular, Cellular Arena in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, with a basketball capacity of 10,700. The announced attendance was 3,800. Um, ECW was here in May at a different venue called the Eagles Ballroom, where they drew 3,400. So uh, WCW drawing about the equivalent of ECW, but paying basketball arena rental prices. And I've written... There are fewer curtains on Broadway than the amount hung over the seats in this building tonight. Um,
0: which I thought it was too, funny that Rick Flair said 10,000 at the start of the show. Now I know what he meant.
1: He said it again, too, later on. Yeah, and, you know, the show started to the crowd with Rick Flair effectively begging them to like the show. <laughs> yeah. And I got to tell you, guys, this, this is a pretty good show. Uh, this was the best WCW show of the year. Um, and I, I I don't think that's much of a compliment, but I would also, you know, say that I don't think it was very even close. I think this was a very good show. Um, the opening match was fine, uh, and one thing that was established from the beginning was that there were going to have rules that were enforced, and that there was a head figure, Ric Flair, who was going to make sure that rules were enforced and that there wasn't too much interference and that we had clean finishes. And I got to tell you guys, like I, I was immediately into this, and it was. Okay, well, we're going to get away from Russo completely, overtly getting away. We're going to say that we are enforcing rules and we're going to ban non-wrestlers from ringside. And we're going to come up with ways to get around these rules, like with Bam Bam's brilliant interference spot after feigning a, a significant injury. So Ric Flair comes out and says, I'm banning everybody who's not a licensed manager or valet from ringside, and that includes all active wrestlers. And so, we have matches that have a lot of stuff going on, but the, the 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 confines of the match are kept better. And I think we had a lot of really good matches tonight. Uh, Man, cow, Jimmy Hart, obviously excluded. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I just think we they did a really really good job here throughout. And I think we saw good wrestling. Uh, from people we don't even necessarily see good wrestling from, like Shane Douglas and Ernest Miller. And I think what we've realized is that all these, the way that these shows have been booked overall, it's put so much onus on the wrestlers to be in the right spot at the right time for all the shenanigans to happen, for all of Russo's like, car crash booking to happen. WCW doesn't have a great roster right now, but it has enough guys to where if you just let them wrestle 10-minute matches consistently you'll probably get something decent out of it and i think that's what we saw all night this is the first show in a while before the top two matches where i have almost nothing to complain about and it feels weird and uncomfortable to say that but yeah i think this was the 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 needle in wcw's haystack this year so far
0: what have you done with the real wcw who are you
1: right and it's so it's so unfortunate that like they can't i mean this is this is always what happens right because wasn't mania 13 like the lowest strong mania of all time but it was also like one of like it had the best match of all like one of the best matches of all time on it It was not like a horrible show right and so but it reflected the year before and the year before that etc so like hopefully the glimmer of hope and we've said this about wcw for a long time now is they always leave you with just enough of a glimmer of hope to think, well, maybe this is where they turn it around, right? We've said that probably four times this month. But for me, like, this is the first show where I'm like, this is what I want to see out of a wrestling company. They've gone back to the basics. They've gone back to the drawing board. You know, they're, they're getting the fundamentals right. And let's build from here with the guys you have. Like, so this show leaves me optimistic for the first time in forever about WCW
0: really do not adjust your set as tempting as it might be mm. dan your thoughts on mayhem 2000 overall before
1: yeah, we get to the final
2: um, two matches c- compared to the rest of the year this didn't seem like it was a wcw show it, it quite a lot of the the same people were still there but this seemed very different and because and it's because of what eric said we didn't have 101 run-ins every match there was decent to good and good finishes to, to, to most if not all the matches uh, on the show and yeah it's good and um yeah i don't really have anything sort of negative to say i mean yes man and jimmy hart not great but it was it was what a five minute seven. it didn't last long enough to really offend me it it got in got out and then it was gone it didn't hang around so it wasn't too bad i mean i guess if i was going to nitpick maybe i think the the um, insiders perfectly event match may went in a little long for, for the guys. Guys, and none of those really paid excluded possibly who are good in long matches, but yeah, that was still fine. Yeah, um, a match I didn't think I'd like. Um, Ernest Miller and Shane Douglas I thought was was perfectly fine, and yeah, and similarly with Double J and Buff Bagwell I think they just went back to basics. They're both really solid in ring performers and without having too much nonsense involved, I think they, they put on a, a decent sort of 10-minute match. So, yeah, a pleasant surprise, and hopefully this is a sign of things to come uh, going forward, because uh, big sort of standouts for me were uh, the Cruiserweight uh, tag team match, really, really good. Look, to, look forward to seeing hopefully more of them. And the um, the Filthy Animals uh, chronic um, handicap match was always was good. i like to see sort of, uh, big men, big versus small sort of dynamics, and who better than Kidman and Mysterio to go against? Chronic, who let's say aren't necessarily the best, but they made them look really good. So, and Alex Wright's always always good to have it in the match, I think, as well. So yeah, no real complaints about that sort of first first couple of hours. I think sort of flew by really, apart from like I say that last the Insiders match, which maybe dragged a, t- a touch.
1: Rory, can we talk about like? Booking threads that were like well thought out and actually paid off throughout this entire show. As ever, of course, like 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 <laughs> this, nev- this never this never happens anymore in WCW ever. So I want to talk about the Mike Awesome Bam Bam angle going all the way through the, the match which followed it. This is I mean this is an example of like how simple this can be when it's actually well executed. So their scheduled match was Bam Bam Bigelow versus Mike Awesome. Earlier in the night, uh, they go back, and basically you can tell that it's Bam Bam Bigelow who's taken out Mike Awesome, um, and AWOL, uh, the former WAL, inter- intervenes, and then they stretch out uh, Mike Awesome. So then in the back later on, uh, the MIA are getting hyped for uh, Hugh Morris's match against Lance Storm, and Commissioner Flair, who's all throughout the show, but in, I think, all good ways, um, Interrupts and says, Can I talk to AWOL? And Tony Schiavone's like, oh, what'd he do? He's in trouble now. You know, maybe he took out Mike Awesome or something like that, right? And so then we get to the Bam Bam match, and Bam Bam comes out and says, you know, looking, <laughs> you know, Bammer hasn't missed many meals, but like he comes out and he says, you know, I win by forfeit, and out comes Flair again, and he brings out AWOL and says, This is gonna be your new opponent. So then Bam Bam wins, which he should because it's a replacement opponent, and you know they're trying to keep Bam Bam strong enough to go up against like guys like Goldberg. But after the match, Bam Bam acts like he is injured, and he sells it really really well, and he doesn't move. when they do the serious announcer voice, and Stevie Ray leaves commentary to go talk to him, and it takes like three segments for them to wheel him out. And so we're, we're to the the next match, and Lance Storm and Hugh Morris are coming out. Well back up earlier in the night there had been um or maybe this was on nitro but anyway there had been some overtures that um you know bam bam bigelow was rooting around backstage but anyway um bam bam pops off the cart and attacks hugh morris on behest of lance storm who apparently had paid him off or something or i think Hugh and bam bam may have had an incident on nitro but either way they got around the the ban from managers uh for, for, from, from wrestlers being at ringside with this injury angle and then it allows Lance to have an advantage in the next match. Like This was just something that's very basic and very well thought out but had a thread that carried the middle third of the show. I thought it was incredible.
0: Absolutely. It's just a shame nobody else really saw it. Um, no, it just goes to show that there are still people there in, in WCW. The CEO, on-screen CEO himself probably had a hand in this. If they are allowed to hold the whip hand, then this is the sort of thing that can happen.
1: And we were asked
0: to to do it often enough.
1: We were asked at the end of the, maybe it was two shows ago, even like who was booking in in Russo's stead. And it's now come to be that Bill Banks and Ed Ferrara are the ones kind of leading the team. With, I'm sure, as you said, Ric Flair, Kevin Nash, all those guys, you know, <laughs> pitching in, to use the j- judicious term, <laughs> as as necessary or as needed. But yeah, it's Banks and Ferrara. And, you know, I have no complaints so far. It's, it's good old school booking, which is maybe not going to carry this company long term because you have to adapt at some point. But it's a good, you know, back to the drawing board place to start.
0: Ed Ferrara, zero to hero. Nobody is above redemption, everybody it's all about the company you keep Mm -hmm. let's have a look at the big two matches first shall we or the final two matches no i think they're the big ones Looking who's in them goldberg versus lex luger rutting stag lock up to start and goldberg is still doing that sort of arm ringer he accidentally spotted somebody else doing in the power plant three years ago he was probably benching at the time but Tony still calls it the full-arm dragon twist, so that is some sort of a victory. Luca with a very optimistic belly-to-back suplex that Goldberg doesn't have the courtesy to sell, and on this occasion, I can't blame him. Corner clothesline by Lex, as it has just dawned on me who he looks like. Uh, well, uh, here's your badge, Rodney. <laughs> you are now a life member of The Groovy Gang. <laughs> the Groovy Gang just an idea we came up with to help the kids feel really part of it. Every time one of the organizers says, Are you having fun? Or you kids shout, Groovy! <laughs> I skip ahead a few minutes to a kick to the face by Lex and what we used to call the bionic forearm. Luger is already badly blown up as he sigh, sends Goldberg into the guardrail, a spot clearly put into this match just to annoy me. Uh, awkward power slam by Goldberg. He really struggled to get Lex up there followed by a bit of the old G and P the spear is teased and executed, but poor old Mickey J gets the worst of it. Uh, Jack Knife as a second referee comes in and well, there you are. That was brisk, supposedly putting the new streak at 25 and Oh, we were talking about number crunching exactness earlier. I'm going to give them the benefit of the extreme doubt on this one, but your thoughts on the match Dan Goldberg versus Lex Luger. Uh, it,
2: it was, it was fine. I mean, it was, it was what it was it was go with what's got i mean we're not going to expect technical wizardry are we and for and we didn't get that we we got what we were going to get always going to get from these two and i guess sort of um it was what six, 5 6 minutes long so at least it didn't drag at least it didn't sort of go on too long and yeah i, I said it was, it was fine i mean you got you got the big hits out of it you got got the spear, you got the jackhammer, you got what you wanted sort of out, of it, out of it as much as you could, but um, yeah, I can't say I was that interested, I, I was just sort of glad it didn't drag, really it just got got the point over, got the point across and, and then it was done, so I think that's, that's a sort of small mercy with it, I suppose
0: What do you reckon, Eric? If there's anything to reckon about this, <laughs> reckon with this match even <laughs>
1: All right, well, I'll, I'll say this. It was treated as a big fight. Uh, Buffer was here. Um, the crowd seemed into it, uh, which I bet if you were there, it seemed pretty incredible because, I don't know, you see a lot of muscly confrontations like this in the WWF in the late 80s, early 90s. I mean, I think of like morocco Orendorf at 2 or like Bulldog-Warlord at 7. Like, this is that type of match. And let's not undersell that Luger looks enormous. I mean, this guy... He looks nothing like his Fed run. He looks nothing like that trimmed down athletic guy that had to bounce off a of yoko, and that was Lex when he was, you know, when we all thought he was jacked up. And he's just a different species here now. So something's going on there, and it's really shown in his ability to move and to work and to sell. Yeah, he's he's tough to get around that ring now. Goldberg has improved, but he's still limited in what he can do and what he should do. So I think this is a matchup that really could have only gone the way it did. I thought it was well-booked, and it was executed about probably about as well as these two guys in their current condition could probably manage it. So as Dan said, they kept it short, and the outcome was correct. And it gives them an out to kind of carry this on until they figure out what they're really going to do with Goldberg.
0: What do you reckon that is? Do they know (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, he doesn't have spoiler alert, he doesn't have the top match at Starcade, um, which is too bad. Um, and it sure seems like they're biding their time with him, but I I don't know if they have time to bide with him. Like I don't know why he's just not in a top match at Starcade against the biggest opponent they can they can find for him. Um, he should either be the champion or win the championship at Starcade, neither of which is likely to happen, it seems like, unless they just completely undo all the booking they set into motion at the end of, of November. So I don't think they know, and I'm wondering if they have enough time to figure it out.
0: Yeah, why not just... I mean, we don't need to drag this second streak out again. If it's 25-0, and 0, fine. For me, that is enough. That's worthy of a title shot at Stargate and a title victory at Stargate. Okay, we don't need to get back up to whatever number it was when he won the title, two years ago if you're telling a truncated version of the story that's fine but just just skip to the ending right? to quote millhouse get to the fireworks factory
1: right <laughs> exactly exactly and like i think you can do something with goldberg versus steiner as a Starcade main event like it'll be in the similar vein as this luger match nobody's gonna think it's going to be a work rate classic but steiner's such a better talker than Luger he gets such better heat I think he's more believable he can do his nutcase thing which may or may not just be who Scott Steiner is these days like they can just run this Goldberg Luger thing back with Steiner who could carry it on the mic and make it a believable you know seven minute main event when you do the hoopla and you get the big announcers and everything you know you get a 20-25 minute segment out of that and make it like a big fight boxing feel I think they have something there but they, they're not doing it so That's disappointing, and I don't know. They just haven't been able to figure this guy out, have they?
0: How? It's right there. We say that pro wrestling isn't rocket science. This is one plus one stuff. This is on the door of the kindergarten when you first get there on on a crisp September morning. It's right there. One plus one is two have Goldberg run through guys and be your world champion whenever you've got the opportunity to make that happen and keep the belt on him. There you go. Simple. Two clauses in the sentence. That's all you need. Mm -hmm. Uh, A six-minute match with what's left of Lex Luger. Literally quite a lot left of him, but in upset about that, I don't want to be too cruel on these shows. The month before Starcade would be okay if a title match at Starcade was the end game. But as the TV seems to be indicating, that's not where we're going. The match was pretty horrid but it's one of those we've said it so many times over the last three years people just want to see Goldberg win wrestling matches Mm. how we get there doesn't really matter because as Dan rightly rightly said it isn't going to be a whole lot of fun getting there anyway so it doesn't matter how much longer matches are as long as the final 25 seconds do everything you ask of them and there's no way you can really get that wrong
2: then fine. Yeah.
1: Well and and who's his Starcade opponent? Luger. It's Luger like, again, man. Oh, yeah, that's I couldn't true. believe oh. us. No, They're I couldn't believe it. I shouldn't believe that's not, it. That's not that's <laughs> not even like that's not even the third most important match at Starcade. It's it's incredible. I
0: mean what did Luger show them to go Okay, never mind. Um let's get straight to the main event. Um Scott Steiner going for the world title against Booker T. Dan again, can you remind me of the stipulation for this one?
2: Yeah, okay, yeah. So straight jacket steel cage match.
0: Oh, of course and, it was
2: so i was looking yeah i sorry i thought about this when it was in this, so initially i thought well if you put something in the straight jacket do you win is that what it is no do you have to escape the cage to win no it just happens to be a steel cage match that had a straight jacket in it that's Let, what it was
0: let's get to how the straight jacket was used shall we <laughs> oh boy straight jacket how appropriate booker only just makes it into the cage before Steiner jumps in with his music still playing. I presume Buffer is being paid by the word because he still gets in his full introduction, despite <laughs> Steiner destroying him. <laughs> Howard Finkel just runs out of the ring when that happens. $7,000 uh, $7, a show Buffer gets, and he gets in every last <laughs> syllable of it. Can't be, can't be stiffed on that. Book stalks Medesha around the ring, but gets met by a slug from Steiner. It goes after him in the corner. Hard chops, but about three people in the crowd meet with a woo diving kick by Booker for the first near fall of the match. Steiner blocks a suplex and dumps T. Crotch first onto the top rope and he flops outside. Booker to the cage and then straight back into the ring. That was odd. Backbreaker by Pop then a very nifty rolling belly to belly for a two count. That grinding back submission move thing where he holds the arms for a while. A spot only exists so the face can fight out of it. But even so Scott doesn't put up with it for long as he clotheslines Booker right back down. We go to the buckles and a huge superplex that was much closer to a super Samoan drop for me. That was a bit dicey. Oh, Steiner puts the bear hug on now. It's just getting interesting. Inverted atomic drop instead, he opts for, which is much more like it. Crisscross and Booker hits back with a forearm and up he goes for the missile drop kick. Quick cover, but only gets a two. The crowd have had it, by the way. Both guys try to grab the straight jacket from the top of the cage. Yes, because you can do that or you do do that. Eventually, Booker is able to do so. Electric chairs to Steiner and Book tries to put it on him. In a match we have already established, you have to win by normal means. Even our commentary team put over the stupidity of this. There we Including are.
1: Including his own brother. <laughs> <laughs> calling, him, calling him an idiot for what he was doing. His own brother.
0: He wasn't wrong. Book now gets a chair and careens Big pop pump right in the head with it repeatedly. Despite that, Steiner is able to rip off the straight jacket, in theory, and now he just looks like he was wearing a bib, also appropriately. He rallies, tears off the jacket, slaps on the recliner and Booker makes the ropes. And then gets off what I think was meant to be another electric chair. Instead, Steiner just flopped down feet first and lightly bounced off the ropes. He goes up top but gets caught in the bookend. But it's a two because of a delayed cover. Neck breaker now and Steiner is right back up. Maybe the axe kick can do it? No, Booker can't get up. The chair is still in the ring and Scott is able to grab it. Spinner Rooney isn't going to help Booker much here, especially as he then gets creamed with the chair. Full Nelson Slam and then the recliner again. And this time Scott Steiner gets the win and becomes the world champion for the first time. He celebrates with a few more chair shots to anybody and everybody. And we are out. Eric, your thoughts on this match and Scott Steiner, world champion. I feel like those words have been coming for quite a while. At last, we can now say them.
1: Yeah, I think I. It's good to see what it looks like on him and how he, how he responds to that responsibility because it still is an added level of responsibility, for somebody who you know is clearly somebody worthy of that spot. But we'll see how he handles it. Uh, I don't know, guys. This was kind of like a warm, cozy, familiar blanket—a WCW show with a really good undercard that just fizzles in the main event. Like this, this felt good to me. Like I, I was happy here. Mm-hmm. Because I was thinking, wow, we've got a really, you know, a solid wrestling show below us. Let's see. And then the last thirty-five minutes it pretty well falls apart. I think Goldberg Luger was fine, but this was this was a match that you show how much a gimmick on top of a gimmick, on top of a gimmick, and handicapped you guys capable of having a good match. Like when these guys just focused on their work, it was a good match that was Steiner in control, Booker fighting from underneath, and who's going to win? Add in the cage, okay, that's fine, because there's been enough shenanigans between the two of them. They've had this match before, but then you put the straight jacket stipulation in, and it just falls apart. And I think that's what they tripped over here. I think I don't hold this match against them so much as I hold the too many stipulations against them. Um, and it just exemplifies why you don't need to put all these gimmicks on top of gimmicks in these matches, and why when you do... It makes it worse. This felt like something that would have happened under Russo, and that's too bad, because I think these guys could have had a really solid match. I think having the belt on Steiner, if you were going to go to Goldberg, is perfect, but they're not doing that. So I think I like the idea of Scott Steiner as world champion in theory, but let's see how it plays out, because there's a lot that could happen. And the fact that they're putting him up against Sid, like, are you kidding me? (laughs) That might be the worst thing. That might be the worst combination of guys you could do, but we'll see what happens.
0: You're on the Starcade show with me, Eric. You're on the Starcade show with me.
1: Uh, Rory, I, I got to tell you, the schadenfreude in me alone cannot look forward to that match uh, anymore.
0: Bold, underline, italic, that statement. Dan, your thoughts <laughs> on the match and Scott Steiner, world champion. Uh,
2: f- first off, you uh, sort of mentioned uh buffer and his and his fee i think that fee's gone down because i'm sure he doesn't or hasn't said let's get ready to rumble in, in, in a while and i'm i'm guessing he, like with his sort of i think potential ownership of that phrase or copyright or whatever that he probably pays gets paid more if he says it. So I think part of the Brad Siegel's cutting cost is him telling Buffer, "Don't say that anymore. We can't afford you to say that anymore." Because he seems to say something weird this time. I I just missed it, but yes, still managing to get his his uh, words in. But um, anyway, <laughs> just wanted to get that point in just because it it sort of stuck with me. what well, Buffer not being Buffer for some reason. But there we go. Anyway, uh, yeah, on to on to the match. Uh, um, I like sort of the the parts of it, but I I go I'm in agreement with, with eric again on this the the state the uh, stipulations sort of hampered them they feel like they had to use the straight jacket because it's part of the match and had to use the cage because again it was sort of part of the match and they, and they those these two don't really need it i've seen sort of several matches with them i think they feuded probably what 18 odd months ago for the tv title want to say sort of around spring stampede it sort of time yes. and their their matches around then were really good just simple uh, one-on-one matches, and, that, and I really enjoyed them. And that this could have been that, and it would have been fine. But yeah, the the thing they had to use the gimmicks meant they sort of stopped doing what they're good at to get to do these spots with the gimmicks, and that sort of detracted from the match. But um, still, still thought it was, it was okay, certainly. And they still were able to get in enough good stuff, I thought. And um, yeah, I'm glad to see Stiles the world champion. I think it's 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 been something that's been coming. For a, for a while certainly and yeah looking forward to see how it, how it goes not necessarily looking forward to the to the match with sid that's can't be good but it'd be interesting to see i suppose in a, in a car crashy type way i guess but, there's just
0: no but, way it can be
2: good but but it definitely looking forward to seeing seeing him on top and seeing him being like the, the sort of kind of focal point and kind of as i think flair mentioned on the Nitro after sort of seeing like the flagship he'll be he'll be stun will be the one with the big promos and the and sort of the, the big focus on, on him. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all for, for that. But, yeah, maybe not with the opponents coming up.
0: Uh, this match was an underthought mess. I can't even say they overthought themselves as backhanded compliments often go for WCW main events. They didn't put the thought into this one. When you see how much effort and love, I'm going to say, was put into so much of this pay-per-view, they let, left it all on the ground here, I'm afraid. Why was this a cage match? Booker went into the cage once in the 12 minutes, and I don't think Steiner did at all. And that was the sole spot. There's no reason at all for this to be any form of cage match, caged heat, whatever they want to call it. And as you said at the beginning there, Dan, the whole straight jacket thing, A, far too on the nose, far too on the nose. We already worked out ourselves long ago. And the way it was just limply hanging there from the cage. And there was no reason whatsoever for Booker to grab it. He just looked like like Duke Drosey did against Hunter Hearst Helmsley when he went out to grab his trash can in your house six. And if those are the references I'm pulling out of somewhere, then you know what we're talking about. They speak for themselves. Dropping two WrestleMania seven references on one show, fine. Dropping one in your house six one decidedly less fine, but they forced it out of me. It's a shame because last month they showed that they could have a good old back and forth Hoss match. We were all fairly amenable to that one if you go back and listen to our show then this one was all right enough until the bear hug has so many big guy matches are but then the booking and all lack of kicked in and booker once again just dumb babyface, stop doing this I and mean, when his own brother who you no know, isn't exactly the last word in don't um, How can I put this? No, no, I'm going to fucking say it. Not the last word in intelligence. There we go. Just listen to some of his utterances. I love Stevie Ray for it, but let's call the spade a spade here. When he is calling out anybody's stupidity, let alone his own flesh and blood, I don't need to add any more to that. But Steiner as world champion, yeah. I wonder if this is their hope that the added responsibility, even in WCW where nobody's really watching, of being the world champion will try and calm him down a bit because as we said last month this is no act with scott steiner this is no act it's brian pillman five years on but arguably potentially even more scary if you happen to be one of the recipients or unlucky enough to just be in his way or in the same building as him or in the same state as him we will see if Because he has now been trusted with this world championship in what is still, especially with people like Flair knocking around, going to continue to be a heel territory. So he could be having a fairly decent run with the belt, I reckon. If Goldberg's not going to take it off him at Starcade, which we all want to see, but we're going to be disappointed, then you might as well have a fairly decent heel run with him. Let's see if that helps Scott Steiner. Do you take away from his in-ring if his behavior backstage is a little more emollient i don't know but i think for the sake of everybody who has to deal with him day in day out it's probably worth a try to find out if it does the proof of the pudding will very much be in the eating and i also am not this if i need to say this looking forward to the match against sid at starcade but we've had worse starcade main events haven't we (laughs) <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, well, I feel we might have to do a bit of actual comparison on air next month, Eric, weighed um, weigh it that, up against battle, the likes of 94.
1: Battleball <laughs> yeah. 91 is coming strong for that title.
0: <laughs> now, that is going to take some beating. God, oh, oh, it says all about the Battle Bowl concept that I almost forget that was a Starcade. I well, they, did it 89... again,
1: they did it again this month, by the way. They did lethal. They did London Lethal Lottery on Nitro, so... Shout out to Bob Bamber. Your favourite concept is still alive in WCW in the year
0: 2000. 0.5 out of 10. But let's give this one some rating, shall we? Dan, I'll come to you first. Your overall thoughts on Mayhem 2000 and a score rating out of 10.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think, as, as, we, as we've we all said, um, surprisingly decent decent show all around. Definitely sort of an a un-WCW show compared to the rest of the year. But very much one that um, I would recommend watching. If you weren't one of the one point two or, or sorry, zero. Yeah, if you if you weren't one of the few who did watch it, do try and go out to watch it. I think it's worth worth watching. Yes, there weren't some there were some some sort of dodgy pots in between. Some matches weren't too great. But overall I found it quite an easy easy watch overall and quite easy to get through. And generally enjoyed I enjoyed myself watching it. I I I enjoyed the fact there wasn't the interferences and the screens or finishes every every match sort of seemed to have a a, a decent sort of start middle and an end to it and yeah um, overall I'd probably give it um, I, I think I've gone I've gone for a five it doesn't sound like I've given it a higher rating but I think if you're comparing it to the rest of the rest of the year for the WCW where I think I'm probably averaging twos and threes I think five's perfectly fine for it
0: Eric what have we got
1: yeah, uh, I think the show is shockingly good. Uh, there were some well-explained threads with logical outs, clever interference spots, generally good action. Uh, there was a bit too much comedy, which we didn't get into. Um, they're doing this weird, creepy old man thing with Gene Okerlund that I don't really dig. Uh, but, you know, it's fine. Um, it does add some levity between some of the storylines and stuff. Uh, the main event did fall apart, and unfortunately, that's going to bring down the overall rating of the show because I, I carry the main event to you know to have the highest weight uh, on a show as it should. Um, but the rest of the matches either met expectations or overperformed. Uh, this was the the best WCW show in quite some time. Uh, I think I'm going to go a six point five out of ten.
0: Gene Okerlund as a creepy old man. Gee, I wonder who came up with that gimmick.
1: <laughs> well, Shivani Shav- Sh- goes on TV. Oh, you're finally seeing the real Gene Okerlund. It's like, oh, okay.
0: Are <laughs> oh, we ever? Yeah, I'm going to go for a solid six for this one. An eminently watchable show. I'll be honest with the listeners out there. When I fired this one up yesterday, in fact, my review copy, I intended to make some notes on the forthcoming WWF program. We will be releasing for you a couple of days, but the first match more than had its moments. And I was, if not hooked, at least mildly interested for the remaining two hours, 45, good action between the people who should be bringing it. The opener, the tag team match, Shane Douglas losing as well. Let's just put that on the record. So there's only two. That's good. Only two in one show for me. I'm getting better. Uh, Last, the main event undoubtedly dragged it down. No question about that. And that's a shame. If they, I would have been perfectly happy with the redux of their match from last month. Almost move for move, albeit with a different finish. I could have taken that. Especially as that one was a lame DQ. Do the same here with Steiner working out a bit. And I think then they might well have been pushing the good scores. Because for me, anything seven up is a very good a good to very good pay-per-view you must check out here is a six i do think your mileage will vary on how much attention you think wcw pay-per-views necessarily elicit these days when the way we're doing our podcasts pretty much says it all that it's really all about the backstage but if you do want to watch two hours 20 and an extra 25 minutes of decent wrestling in a vacuum that ultimately doesn't really mean anything, but isn't going to harm you too much, then you probably could do far worse on that score than mayhem. Join the 0.12. And we are back in December 2020. Another show is in the books. And I would like to thank, as always, for these WCW shows, Eric Landstrom. Eric, it's is that light at the end of the tunnel?
1: I feel good about where WCW is now. Now I'm, now I'm kind of sad because if they keep down this path with logical booking and, you know, wrestling with finishes and guys on top and belts that matter, like... I, I'm, I'm here for this. Let's 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 keep this train going. I, I hope December goes okay. Well, we've see. only got four months left. I'm almost disappointed now. I uh, <laughs> I was begging for the end two months. It's ago. it's too, it it was it was Russo the whole time. It was. Yeah, but it,
0: anyway, was it really it, okay?
1: It's good. It it's good that they're at least not going out on their back, which yes. seems to be the case.
0: There was flickers of life in this one were they not
1: yeah that's a good show really enjoyable
0: thank you for joining me for it uh anything you want to plug or discuss eric before we're out uh,
1: no just uh find us on twitter at wrestling 20 yrs uh interact with us uh and if you'd like to join us at any time we're always looking for for new folks we'll have plenty of room for you in the new year despite the necessary restructuring we're going to be uh doing Thanks to the uh, complete collapse of the North American professional wrestling business in 2001.
0: (laughs) There will be shows everybody. So yes, you want to join us very much. Get in touch. You know where to find us. That's what Daniel Dewitt did. And now a mainstay of our programming here, Dan, thanks for joining us as
2: always. Yeah. Brilliant. Glad to go through it again. And uh, yeah, for me, it's looking, looking forward to, to, to seeing what, what December brings. I know he talked, talked about that. Um, Sid and Steiner's not got, can't can't be anything but but dodgy, but the undercard hopefully will be be something worth watching. Still, I will I will still be um, tuning in and watching, carry on the the journey with you all. If and yeah, look actually looking forward to watching a couple of nitros next month or in the next coming week just to see how it plays out because I'm I would like to see some more W that isn't all interference everywhere so yeah i think it's given me a, a sort of taste of go and watch a little bit more of it definitely we've got him everybody we've got him i'm working on, afar, <laughs> actually, on twitter at dsd247 Brilliant. uh
0: we will give you a rest next month though dan you can sit back yeah.
2: and observe it from afar <laughs> uh, yeah that, that's fine but no i'm happy to, happy to have, a, have a have a break but i'm no, glad to be back on again but um yeah, I say I'll, I'll still be watching along because I'm actually interested to see how the how the rest of rest of sort of the Starcade build comes up comes around because it's not something I really remember from from then. Uh, First I, time I
0: was not, I was I was long since out at this time, so this is a voyage of discovery. <laughs> Call it that to be polite. Certainly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, Starcade coming up next month, and only three more shows after that. Oh my goodness me. Um, oh, just a bit of housekeeping, and then just to say. What else we do have in store for you for November, ECW show has been out for a couple of weeks now with a very special guest. We got blew the dust off him, let's say that. Oh, ECW, <laughs> no, November to remember indeed, as I said at the top of the show and our WWF show where you can hear me on that one with Dan and Chris White talking about Survivor Series 2000 and that's finished to Survivor Series 2000. <laughs> We haven't recorded that one yet, so I don't want to over-depress myself too early. I've got two, <laughs> days, two days to steal myself Ooh. talking about that finish. <laughs> okay, everybody. But, but now, thank you so much for listening to this, uh, as always. We really appreciate it. Just by listening to these shows, you are supporting us. Uh, quite the rocky journey, to say the very least, but um, stay the course. We've got a lot of good stuff coming up for you in 2001 as well. When? as the situation dictates we will have to make a fair few changes but still keeping them month-to-month for WWF and as far as WCW and ECW go let's see let's just see but from Eric Landstrom and he's Daniel DeWitt I have been Rory McAmar and we it will do. see you next time don't stop this match. it's over